0: tonight, you may have come to the prayer meeting. You maybe didn't realize that we were going to have a special group of women with us tonight. These are ladies from a ministry up in New Hampshire called New Hope. And the woman who is here, she runs the ministry with her husband, George, is Grace Rosado. And they've been doing this for so many years. Grace is a part of our family. We are so thankful that she could be with us. They drove down five hours to be with us tonight. They want to be an encouragement to you. So as they're here to encourage you, can we give them a little encouragement, put our hands together and thank God for the ladies from the New Hope Ministry.
1: It's a joy to be here tonight. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity to be able to come and share what the Lord is doing in our midst. And we've come to lift up the name of the Lord He's been so good to us. Um, it's been over 40-some years that my husband and I were called to open up a ministry for women and uh, with substance use disorder and life-controlling issues in their lives. We stepped out by faith saying, God, you know, um, we don't know exactly what we're doing, but we know that you're calling us to open up a place so that they can come and find new life in Christ. When we first started out, we just started out with single women, and then women started coming with their children and saying, what am I going to do with my children? I don't want to leave my children behind. And so we started taking in children along with the moms, and what a healing process that has been. And so for years, we've ministered to thousands of women and their children who've come in broken and hurting and lost and needing help And, you know, by God's grace and churches just like this, Pastor Symbol and Carol just standing behind us for so many years, just believing in the work and saying, you know, we we want to encourage you in this work. We're standing with you. We're praying with you. And time and time again, you stood in the gap for us so that we could reach out to those that are hurting. As I was thinking about tonight's ministry and the Lord was you know just I was just praying and saying, Lord, what what would you have me to share tonight as I introduce some of the women and as they share their testimonies? And I started thinking, well, it's you know Valentine's Day, and I started thinking about what that means in the world, and and it's so different because I, I was thinking about that famous poem by Elizabeth uh, Barrett Browning, "How do I love thee? Let me count the ways." And she wrote this to her husband, who took care of her. She had a, an illness most of her life. And she was a poet. And um, she was very, very ill. She was crippled. And she wrote this poem to her husband, who probably took care of her many, many times, helping her. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. And I, then I began to think about, Lord, How do I love you? Let me count the ways. You've been so good. You've been so gracious. And as I begin to read the scripture in Psalm 116, this really was my heart as I began to worship the Lord and thank him for the lives that have been saved, for my life, for all that the Lord has done. And thanking him because this is what the scripture says, I love the Lord because he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Have you been there? You know, the scripture says here that he actually turns his ear down to hear us. In the Hebrew, it says he actually bends his ear to hear the cry. Do you know how many women have come to us that have been hurting and crying and not knowing if there was even someone that would even hear their cry? When I look at these young ladies tonight and I think about some of them and where they've come from, homeless shelters and on the streets, in prison, on the streets saying, is there a God? If there is a God, then God, you got to help me. I'm dying. I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. But what happens? Then I called on the name of the Lord, and I said, oh, Lord, save me. What a difference the Lord makes. It's his love that we need. It's his mercy that he extends to us. I don't know who you are here tonight or where you're coming from, but I'm going to tell you, if you're crying out to the Lord, he hears your cry. He, he is bending his ear down to you, and he's saying, I hear your cry. I'm here to meet your need. Then I called on the Lord, and I said, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. Scripture says, for you, O Lord, have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. Is that not our testimony tonight? Is that not what the Lord has done? He's delivered our soul from death. Hallelujah, my eyes from tears and my feet from falling. And as I think about these women and their testimonies of how they were walking one day and and they were near death and stumbling through life. And one day they called out to the Lord and he heard them. And he had compassion and mercy and he had compassion on me. Just like he did for them. And he has compassion for you. How can I repay the Lord, the psalmist says, for all the goodness, for all he's done? I said that to the Lord. Lord, how can I possibly thank you for all that you've done for me? How many times I've cried out to you, God, not deserving an answer, not deserving your love, but you were there for me. When I cried and there was no man that could help me, no one could help me, Lord, but only you could. And you came and you lifted me out of despair, out of the hurts. How can I repay the Lord for his goodness? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. And it says here, I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have freed me from my chains. You have freed me from my chains. Hallelujah. Can we thank him tonight? Has he freed you from your chains tonight? Has he broken the chains Oh, I want um, some of these young ladies to come up and share their testimonies. I want Beth to come first, but I want to finish with this scripture. Come on up, Beth. David says, I will sacrifice a thank offering and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in the midst of Brooklyn Tabernacle. We will give praise to the name of the Lord tonight. We will give him thanks. We can say, I love the Lord because he first loved me. And so Beth, Beth came to us. Um, she was living in a shelter, pregnant, not knowing what to do with her life. And the Lord called her to new life and began a work in her. And I want Beth to share with you tonight. If you're hurting tonight, if you're needing answers we have come not to lift up a program. We've come to lift up the name of the Lord and tell you there is a Savior. There is a God who can change hearts and lives. Beth.
2: Thank you. Um, my name is Beth Harding. I'm 37 years old, and I'm from Massachusetts. I have three children that God has blessed me with. They're two boys, ages 14 and 7, and I have a 9 and a half month old girl. And I love the Lord because he has saved me from my pit. A year ago, I was homeless, pregnant with a baby deemed to be inconceivable, and I was also addicted to drugs. My boys were each with their paternal grandparents, and I was looking at losing them for good. I used crack cocaine daily, heroin occasionally, and whatever else was around. I was beginning to trade my body for money or drugs and trying not to return to a lifestyle of theft and crimes to afford my habit. I hadn't seen a doctor, and I was nearly seven months pregnant. I had no idea what to do, but I knew I needed help before I ended up back in jail or dead. I loved the Lord because he gave me the strength to speak up and to ask for help. I called and I spoke with my youngest son's DCF worker, and I began to explore my options with her for different rehabs and what would happen to my unborn baby. I found out about New Life Home for Women and Children— and I walked into my new home and met the women I now call family a week later. I have been there for a year. I love the Lord because he is gracious and merciful. Last April, I had an amazingly beautiful and peaceful labor, and I gave birth to a precious little girl who was born completely healthy. Yes. Her name is Grace because she is God's undeserved favor for me. She has never been involved with DCF, and she is still completely healthy. My oldest son has moved down south with his papa, and he's beginning his own walk with God. He's attending a Christian middle school and got accepted to a high school. My younger son is thriving with his grandparents, and I have an in-person visit with him next week for the first time in a year. God is so good that he's also opening doors for reunification and for Zach to come home to me rather than having my rights terminated and him being adopted. I love the Lord because he has provided for me and blessed me more than I could have ever imagined, and my best days are still yet to come. I love him because he has freed me from my addiction, from my fear, my depression, my anxiety, worry, pride, and so much more. I love the Lord because he loves me and he has plans and a hope for my future. I'm now hopeful and excited to live and to be a productive woman in my community. I love the Lord because he has never left me and he never will. Because he is faithful and does what he says. And I love him because he's forgiven me and taught me how to forgive and love myself. I love the Lord because he's my father, my friend, my confidant, and my creator. And I love him because he's my all-in-all all and I can trust him. I've spent 20 years of my life going around my wilderness, and I'm now ready to follow him into my promised land. His way is way better than mine.
1: Thank you, Beth. Billy, why don't you come? Billy is a mom, and she has a son, Jake. And Billy, why don't you share what the Lord has done in your life and why you love the Lord tonight?
3: Yes. Hi. This is, this is so humbling to be here. When I showed up to New Life, I was, um, I was addicted to heroin. I had not seen my son in two months. And I had that moment, that cry of, you know, Lord, there has to be more to life than what I'm seeing. And um, I had heard about New Life years and years before. People had said, maybe you need to go to New Life. Maybe you need to accept God. And I thought, I have God. I have God. But as I showed up on the doorsteps of New Life, I, I felt him tell me to stay, to stay. And as I surrendered, he began to renew my mind, first and foremost. He, you know, it wasn't so much condemnation that it was just just these rapid thoughts um, or just not knowing that I could stand on him. You know, as we were driving down here, I felt like he said, you know, I'm the same yesterday as today and forever. And I feel like someone needs to hear that, that these stories that you hear from Beth, from me, that that God that loves us enough to pick us out of that you know, muck and mire and clean us off. Loves us all, just as much. He has restored my family. My son came with me to new life, brought healing to my son. He felt extremely abandoned from just the lifestyle I was living. Um, we we are now in a transitional home. I'm still working the program as a transitional uh, graduate there. God put me in a job that protect me. He put me in a local church. I'm their ministry coordinator. And, and when I say humbling, if you could imagine that less than two years ago is the story I'm telling you about when I showed up on their doorstep, that now I am able to minister to other people, that I am able to, to stand on his word. I've been able to go back to school. I'm working on my master's. But <laughs> thank you. But the, the best thing that he's done is he really put it on my heart to start a woman's group. Um, I see these women that come in at New Life. I see the women from Shiloh. That's the church I work at. And everybody is so eager to hear his word. And if you just give them a chance, they're just so open to it. And I'm just so humbled and proud to be part of that. Thank you.
1: Is there anything too hard for the Lord? There's nothing too difficult for him. I want my Jessica to come. I was telling Jessica, I remember the first day that I met Jessica. We were having chapel, and Jessica was brand new, and she had a black ski hat on and sat in the back row, and everybody else was standing, but she was sitting with her head down, and she wasn't going to be moved and I began praying for her. I was standing up there just watching her. And um, I said, you're from Caribou, which is Caribou, Maine. That's, if you've ever heard of it, it's way, way up there. And um, I, I started calling her Miss Caribou. And that's been my name for, for her all this time. But Jess had difficulties in her life. M- much abuse, hurts. Deep hurts, physically, emotionally. And um, when she came, uh, we didn't know it, but she had cancer, uh, brain cancer. And there were so many complications, but I'm going to have her tell you what happened. Thank you. Um,
4: my name is Jessica Green. I've been at the pro- I've been at New Life for um, about 15 months. Uh, so when I first came, I didn't know that I had cancer. I mean, I had found a lump under my arm, and um, I had it checked out, but they didn't know what it was because I'm from Caribou, and you know, doctors aren't very good there. <laughs> um, but when I had Found out the news of of having melanoma, which is skin cancer. Um, it had traveled to my brain, and I had two tumors. Um, and I just figured that was that was it. Um, but God really came came through for me. Uh, he gave the doctors wisdom, and you know, being able to remove the tumors and um, now, I've been through treatment and everything, and now my brain is fully healed of the cancer. And, um, he, and he's still shrinking the rest of the cancer That's it. that still remains in my chest. So it's, They're shrinking, slowly but surely, but they're, they're shrinking, and he's been with me the, this whole time. And... Um, sorry, I'm really nervous. Uh, um, he's also restored my, my vision, well, most of my vision. I have to still wear glasses to be able to read, but I can see. Um, where I had the optic, I had a tumor sitting on my optic nerve and everything, and um, it just, it was really really devastating at first because I couldn't see the TV. I had to have ladies read the subtitles for me because I couldn't read it, but now I can, and I can see everybody, and it's, it's a blessing. Uh, I had this whole thing repaired, and I didn't even read it, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I love the Lord for, for leading me to new life, and um, I didn't really have a family growing up, not, not really. Uh, my mom was, was pretty abusive. Uh, my dad was abusive. And I grew up in foster care uh, in Manchester and didn't see much love there either. Um, but, the, but I found a new family at New Life, and they showed, they showed me the love. And so has God. And <laughs> it's been a real blessing to be at New Life for the last 15 months. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Jess. I love to watch the Lord heal lives. Step by step, that first smile, that first day that that you see something happening in their heart and God is beginning to change and renew and restore. And that's what it's all about. That's what God does. And he's a restorer of life. Um, There's so many here in this front row that they can share their testimonies and powerful what God has done and continues to do. And I'm so grateful to the Lord for calling me, for allowing me to have just a little part in their lives, just to be able to reach out in the name of the Lord and his love and, and just love on them and teach them and train them up in the things of the Lord. And see them go on and become mothers and go to school and achieve. That's the greatest joy, is seeing lives changed by God's power. And I'm so thankful for this opportunity. Uh, Lastly, tonight, I I think I'm going to have Alexis come. Alexis, um, she has... um, Quite a testimony, but her husband is here. Steve, why don't you stand tonight? We're so thankful that Steve came with us tonight too. Um, The first time I met Steve, he doesn't know this, but um, they were not together. And and Alexis, come on over here. Alexis was in the program. And um, her son was not with her at the time. And she was going through the process, and God was changing her heart and life. And then it got to a point where Steve was going to allow her to have a visit with her son. And I remember him coming to the house, and I watched him. And I, and I said to the staff, he still loves her. You could see that he still loved her. And I said, one day, God is going to work a miracle.
4: Wow.
5: I love the Lord because of his unfailing pursuit of my life so that I may know him. He inclined his ear towards me, and he heard my groans, my cries, and he saved me. He saved my life. As Grace said, my name's Alexis. I graduated in 2020 from New Life Home. I grew up in a big family. I'm the last of six children. But growing up, something always felt like it was missing. And the only way that I can describe that is it was a huge hole in my heart. When I was 20, I fell in love with Steve. And for a while, that love was enough. But deep inside, something was still missing. At the age of 30, we had a beautiful son. We moved to a beautiful home. We had a very successful business. And on the outside, everything seemed perfect. But again, something was deeply missing. I felt insecure. I felt alone. And even though it seemed I was living the life I always dreamed of, I, was, I thought I was dream, living the life I always dreamed of, but something was still. It was, it was, there was an emptiness inside of me. Shortly before I became pregnant, I started having severe back pain and I needed surgery. And the doctors were very hesitant. I was young, I was only 30. And so during the pain, someone offered me a Percocet and I took it and it took the pain away. It allowed me to work, I felt amazing. I continued asking people for the Percocet and my habit continued to grow. I gave birth to my son and I was living a double life, thinking I could hold it all together. Running a family restaurant, being a full-time mom, I did everything in my own strength. I hid my addiction from my loved ones. I was full of pride. I wouldn't ask for help. I was feeling so guilty and so shameful. I smiled and acted as though everything was okay, but as soon as I got alone, I cried. The resentment was building of trying to be this perfect woman, this perfect mother. So I did more pills to mask the pain, physically and emotionally. And at this point, I needed them. I couldn't get up without them. I couldn't function without them. It was no longer a want. It was it was a need. I wanted to stop and I wanted to get help, but I didn't think I could. I thought I was going to lose everything that I was trying to to keep it, you know, I was I was working so hard to hold everything together, and if I told someone, I was going to lose everything. What a lie, right? What a lie that is. So instead, I took my son and I left my family, and I went to a place where my shame wouldn't follow me, or I thought. <laughs> my addiction to pills didn't get any better, and heroin was much cheaper, so I began using heroin intravenously my little pill addiction turned into a big heroin problem. I really thought I was being a good mom too. (laughs) I thought because I was still working and going to school functions and activities that I was being a good mom. In January of 2017, my oldest brother, he died from his heroin addiction. And that hole, that deep hole in my heart only got bigger. The drug stopped masking my pain, and my, my habit, it just grew. I had my first arrest in February, and by this time, I was not only using heroin, I was using crack cocaine. Quickly, I started to lose everything. I lost my car, my job, my apartment. I could see the snowball of all of my choices. It was getting bigger and lower. I wanted to stop my life from falling apart. I just didn't know how. A few months after my brother's death, I got the call that I lost my son to an ex parte motion because of my reckless and dangerous behavior. I'll never forget that day or that call. The one thing I always wanted to be was a mother and I was losing him because of my choices. That's a horrible feeling. I was overwhelmed with despair. Feeling completely hollow and empty, the one thing I loved and cherished, I was losing because of me. I was the problem. I valued being a mom. That's all I ever wanted to be. That moment should have brought me to my knees. It should have brought me to get clean. But it didn't stop. I went further into my addiction. I wanted to die, and if I couldn't, I wanted to be numb, and I knew my addiction could take me there. So I went to places of physical darkness, but it was me that was dark. I was dark inside my mind. I went to places full of disgust, but really, it was me I was disgusted with. I allowed myself to go to places where my body wasn't mine anymore. I was just an empty vessel, broken down by my choices. Everything that I had judged other people for, now I was judging myself. I had lost everything I held valuable, every ounce of dignity that I had. I became homeless. I was stealing to support my habit. I was alone. My family wanted nothing to do with me. I couldn't see my son, and I couldn't forgive myself for the mistakes that I had made. At this point, I was introduced to New Life Home for Women and Children, but my addiction had such a strong grip on me. After all of that, I wasn't ready to change yet. I continued on the path of destruction and had multiple arrests. And I remember every time I was arrested thinking, this cannot be life. This is not my life. There has to be more. There, there has to be more to me. I couldn't understand why I was still alive and everything around me was death. In August of 2018, I, I had a probation check-in. And I knew I had to do a drug test. And I knew if I failed, which I was going to, I was going to end up in jail. I wrestled, should I go, should I not go? I waited to the very last moment and I went in. I smoked my last cigarette. I walked in and there was this older gentleman sitting there. I had never seen him before. He was dressed nice. He was the only person in the waiting room. And he must have seen me like out of my mind. I mean, I was out of my mind. I was probably shaking and pacing, I was nervous. And I finally sat down and it was the, it was definitely God, and He was sending Him to speak to me because He just said simply, "Are you tired?" <laughs> and I was, I was tired. I was tired of being alone. I was trying to mask my tired of masking my pain. I was tired of feeling worthless and having no purpose. I was tired. I was tired. So I went back and I I gave my my drug test and. Um, that was my last arrest. <laughs> um, and when I came from that waiting room, the man was gone. I mean, it was definitely a messenger from the Lord because uh, he was gone. Um, so I went into jail the last time, and I was sick detoxing, and I finally surrendered. I finally was ready to, f- to face the mistakes that I had made and, and the pain that I caused my son, the abandonment that he must have felt, that I chose drugs over him. That's a horrible pain that, that doesn't go away, but the Lord heals, and he opened up a door for me to come to new life, and shortly after entering the home, I accepted Jesus into my heart. Yeah, that hole, that emptiness that was inside me began to fill with his love, his joy, his purpose. I finally knew what self-worth was and that it doesn't matter how many mistakes you make in life. It matters how many times you get back up. He began to show me forgiveness, and in turn, I was able to forgive myself. God is so gentle and piece by piece, hurt after hurt, he showed me how to face myself and see myself as he sees me, which is loved and valued. And as I began to heal, I began to pray for my son's father. I knew I was forgiven by the Lord but I prayed that my son's father would forgive me for the hurt that I had caused him. I prayed for his future wife and the stepmother to my son, not knowing if I would ever be in his life again. The Lord we serve is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask, think, or imagine. Slowly, my son started to visit and healing began in my family. And as I was near my graduation, my son's father and I were able to co-parent, and true forgiveness began to heal. And uh, shortly after I graduated, after 20 years of knowing each other, he asked me to marry him, and we got married in Greece in 2021. (laughs) Only God can heal hearts so broken. Only God. Jesus breathed life into me. He told me to take off my old grave clothes. He healed the hole in my heart with his love. He has made me the woman I am today. I am no longer a slave to addiction. I have purpose. I have the love of Jesus that restored and rebuilt me. I love the Lord because he has given me freedom. Thank you for allowing me to share today.
4: Thank you, Lord.
1: You have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from stumbling. I love the Lord. We want you to pray for us as we continue to minister to women and children. We ask that you would stand with us. Um, We uh, have materials in the lobby if you'd want to speak to some of the ladies and uh, just stop by the table. But I want to say thank you to Brooklyn Tabernacle, to the pastors here for their love, for their support, because without that, we wouldn't be able to run the ministry and, you know, just have women come in without cost to them, just saying, are you willing to give God a chance in your life? That's all we ask. And you see what God can do. He's the healer. He's the lover of our souls And whatever you have need of tonight, he's here to meet you as well. God bless you, and thank you, Pastor.
0: In a second, I want to have the ladies, they'll maybe stand here in the front. I want them to pray for a need that you may have, but as they were talking, I was reminded of this verse I read this morning. It's out of James. It's in the fifth chapter. And it it says this, it says the Spirit of God, uh, the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that God's put in our, ha- our heart, uh, he, he jealously longs for us. Each of these ladies and everybody that's in here who's put their hope in God, their heart has been touched by the love of God. It's what's changed them, what Jesus did on the cross. The the picture of perfect love is what we've put our hope in. But in putting our hope in that, God's forgiven whatever the mess is that we've created. And as far as the east is from the west, it's been remembered no more. These ladies, whatever their addictions were, they're not recovering from anything. They're new creations. The old life is dead and buried. It no longer exists. That's not just true for them, that's true for you and I. As I'm listening to them, I'm reminded of a life that I used to live and and what made the difference between what I was and what God's helping me to become. The spirit that He's put in my heart. See, Jesus hung on a cross so that love could be made alive in us. His love has been shed abroad in me because his spirit has taken a residence in my heart and yours. It's As he makes himself at home in my heart, as I work with him, he begins to have more and more of his way. And the more of my heart that he captures, the more I just want to live for him. We're talking about Valentine's Day. She started off and said, you know, here's a Valentine's thought. Well, I want to close with a Valentine's Day thought. Whatever sitting down and looking into somebody's eyes might be like, love you, baby, you love me, this is awesome, pales in comparison to the love that we have with presence of God who is with us tonight. See, our hope tonight is his life in us.
1: Whatever you're
0: striving for, whatever you need, the Bible says this in Peter, that we've been given everything that we need to live this life out. And not just eke out some existence, but to live victoriously. To live in a way where people will look at us like we look at them and go, look at what the Lord has done. But the reason that he's able to do that is because of his life and his presence that's inside of me, that's inside of you. So this this passage, it says, do you think the, the scriptures say without reason that he jealously longs for your soul, for your spirit, which dwells in you? God tonight, jealous, this is the thought I want to leave you with, he jealously longs for you. In the King James, if you were to read it, it would say that he actually lusts after you. In the original language, that sounds weird. Like, wait, what are we talking about, God? Most of the time when we think about we shouldn't lust after anything, it has such an ugly connotation. But it's a picture that God would use to say, any of these ladies that have ever struggled with anything, and I know that you have too. When you struggle with something, if you're trying to re- like overcome some heroin addiction, there is a fix that you need when your body is like crying out for it. It's craving for it. It's longing for it. It's like your body is like jealous that you would have that thing in you again that would settle you. It's a picture of what the Bible is saying. God's spirit striving inside of you is—he's longing and striving for every part of your soul that you would yield it to Him, and in yielding it to Him, He makes Himself alive. He makes himself, He makes His love complete. She was quoting as she was finishing up a passage of Scripture from the third chapter of Ephesians, and in that it, it says this: it says that. Because of what Jesus has done, his spirit has been made alive in us in the innermost part of our being. And as the spirit is alive in us, we have this ability to make him at home in our hearts. And if we'll make him at home in our hearts, if we'll work with him, if we'll say, you know, God, there's things that are... I'm drawn toward. There's things that I I want to do. How do any of these ladies overcome addictions? Not by willpower, not by some determination, not by I've got some fear that if I don't get this together, I lose everything. The only reason they can stand here, and the only reason I can stand here today, is because His love has been shed abroad in my heart. And when I've been confronted with the things that would take me down, all I have to do is go, Jesus, (laughs) like, you're in me. You have to do this for me. I can't do this for myself. All I can do is acknowledge I got a problem, and you're the solution, and you haven't left me to figure it out. You've given me your life so that you can do for me what I can't do for myself. And he's, imagine this. He's jealously striving against. Imagine they're 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 trying to get their lives together. And you can think about when you were trying to get your life together. What was making you want to even try to get through and, and see some breakthrough? It was his spirit saying, No, this is the way, walk in it, reach out, trust me, and watch what I'll do. If you'll just open your heart, he'll respond to it and accomplish every good thing that he's purposed. My sister said he's to finish up that prayer that Paul prayed. He does exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything you can hope for, ask, or imagine. Have you been born again in here tonight? If you have, put your hand up. All right, you're putting your hand up, and by putting your hand up, you're testifying that tonight... You have everything that you need. God's presence is in you. He's a lover of your soul. He is longing to do more for you than you would even want to trust him for. He wants to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything you can hope for, ask, or imagine. You want to talk about an amazing Valentine's Day? I hope you walk out of here with that sense of, he loves me. He loves me. He has given his best that I would know his best. And as I yield to it, he makes it come alive. And that's where life begins. Ladies, I'm going to ask you to stand up. I'm asking ask you to just, if you would, kind of stand across here. I'm nobody special. They're nobody special. But we are people whose lives, you can just spread out, go this direction. They're confident tonight as they stand here and they testify about how good Jesus is, that he, that their testimony is backing what I'm saying. They know. Ladies, come on up. You too. You're part of the program. They know that, God's love is real. And God's love is what's changed them. And God's love is what's gonna continue to change you and I. This is kind of an open-ended response that I'm trying to lead us toward. If there's something in your life that you're trusting God to do, I don't care if it's in your life particularly. Maybe it's in the life of your spouse. Maybe it's in the heart of one of your kids maybe it's an extended family member, or somebody that you know on the job, whatever it might be, if it's moving you and there's some affection that you have that you're like, God, you've got to do this. Then I'm going to ask you, let these ladies who are confident of God's love, let them pray for you. We'll stand with you and pray and we're going to trust God as we look to him to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything we could hope for, ask, or imagine. Amen. Would you stand up with us? Let's leave here reminded by their testimony, reminded by scripture, that God has shed his love abroad in our hearts. We're gonna celebrate that, but then we're not just gonna thank him that he's done it. We're gonna actually trust him, make room in our hearts for him to continue to move so that we can know the height and the depth and the breadth of his love in greater ways. Do you realize that when you experience that love, it's not theological, it's experiential. When you experience it, that's where your life gets fueled by the love that made you to walk out this life in power. That prayer that I was just talking about, it says that when you experience his love, you walk in the fullness of all the power that there is in God. Power for the Christian life, power for the things that you want to touch, it comes from experiencing his love. It's not an idea. It's not some distant person in the past. It's a living reality today. Amen? If you're here today and you need God to some way make that love more real to you, come forward. We're going to pray. I want to pray for you that God's love, even on a day like today where we, in a worldly way, we celebrate love, but every day for us is a celebration of love because of his life that's been shed abroad in our hearts. God, I thank you today for these ladies who've reminded us of the power of your love, the persistence of your love. God, the way that you cover over and you give new life and you don't define us by what we've been, but you, you define us by what Jesus has done. God, we're all here today as we've put our hope in you as sons and daughters of the living God, and there's nothing that can undo that. You've given us your spirit. There's nothing that can take that away from us. As we continue to live, God, there's an enemy who would continue to try to make us want to go in a different direction. But God, I thank you that your promise is, by that life that you've shed abroad inside of us, you're going to finish the work that you've started. And no matter how great the obstacles are that come against us, greater are you that's in us than anything that comes against us in this world. And God, tonight we have a reason to celebrate the hope that's in Jesus. You're not just going to finish the work, but God, you're going to do it in a way that brings blessing to us and makes us a blessing everywhere we go. And God, you're going to do that because through it, Jesus, you're going to get glorified. And we don't want to live for just a blessing. We want to live that, we want to live in a way that gives you glory in all that we do. And God, what greater way can that happen than experiencing your love, walking in the fullness of the power that that gives us for this life that's through it all in every way we shine and let people see Jesus' love. God, make that more real today, even as we walk out the door. Make it real tomorrow in in an increasing way, God. Bless these ladies as they go back to Manchester. Watch over them. Bless new life, God. Bless everything that new life does. God, give them resource. Give them provision. Give them continued grace that they'll see you continually change lives. We thank you for them. We bless them. Jesus' precious name. We all said amen. Can we put our hands together and thank God for what he's done in their life, what he's going to continue to do in their life, and how he's encouraged ours through it. They're going to be out there. Why don't you go out there, say hello to them. I bless you. Have a great week.